Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this Doctrine Matters podcast, Christmas Eve edition. It is Christmas Eve 12-24-2021 today here, and I hope that you and your family are having a great time, great holiday, great Christmas together so far, and uh, just looking forward to spending time with family. Myself, hope you are as well, and I hope you get some rest. I hope you are able to give God glory during this season and all of those things that go with that. And today, I'm not going to talk about the birth of Christ. I'm not going to talk about the hypostatic union. I'm not going to talk about Emmanuel, God with us. What I am going to talk about, though, is something that is very detrimental to the church, and that is the postmodern world that we live in. And what I mean by postmodern world is with that comes this post-truth culture and world that we live in. So essentially, what's happening in this postmodern world or this post-truth world is there is a lot of redefining of terms. People are redefining things left and right. There is uh, a lot of things within the church that are being redefined. There is a lot of the Bible that is being redefined. And you hear a lot of things like, this is my truth or my truth is not your truth. So essentially what they're saying, especially as it relates to the church, is that the objective truth of God's word is not necessarily the truth anymore. Basically, what's happening is this is a perfect opportunity for someone to take the word of God and twist it to fit their agenda, twist it to fit their wants and their needs and their likes, So essentially what you can do is create a God or create God in your own image. You don't have to believe what the Bible says in its entirety. You can cherry pick verses. You can take some things away from uh, different chapters and different doctrines that you can form and manipulate to fit your own agenda and the things that you want to see happen in your church or in your life or in your world. So you live in this post-truth world where the objective standard of God's word is no longer in a post-modernist thinking. It is no longer the objective standard. It is basically what they want it to say, which this is something that's been happening for years and years and years already. Uh, People twisting scripture to make it say what they want it to say and not what God hath already said in his word, right? So we take what the Bible says and make it flow into our own thought. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because we have seen this happen in churches all over the place. It has really come out recently in a church in in and around the Chicago, Illinois area. Many of you may have already seen this. We'll get to that here in just a minute. I'm going to share my screen and we're going to go through um, a Facebook post by this quote unquote church and show you what has happened here at this church. And uh, it's very very troubling. And we're going to see that this is the trajectory of the church when it has a post-modern or a post-truth thought process about it. First and foremost, the post-modern or post-truth process has begun to happen because we have failed to see biblical men dig their heels into the true word of God, believing it is the objective truth and the standard by which we should live and the standard by which we should teach. We have gotten men that have failed to do that. They've given up their post and they have let uh, they've let their own thoughts creep into the Bible. This is um, we've seen this in the form of eisegesis, where people preach themselves into the text, where it's a not it's not about uh, eisegeting the text. We are to exegete the text, pull out what God has said in His Word, and make it 
understandable and applicable in our teaching. But many people, many pastors, many men have failed to do this, and they've let this this thought process of what they think the Bible says enter in, and it is translated down into the church becoming something it is not. And we see this in the form of women pastors. Uh, the Bible is clear that women should not be pastors. When we look at the, the qualifications in First Timothy and, and the book of Titus, we see that the role of elder and leadership in the church should be by men. It should be done by men. But again, you have people that don't believe the word of God and they don't believe that to be true. So there's many churches that have now let women come into a leadership role within the church. And now we see women who are, quote unquote, pastors of churches. And this is not God's design. This is not what God has intended for his church. This is not supposed to happen. And when you see the church capitulate in one area, you begin to see many more areas follow suit. And you'll see this in what I'm going to be talking about here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to see this because the person that is the pastor of this church that we're going to look at is a female. And it appears that the leadership around her is female. There is no man leadership to be seen uh, on this particular post. And I've kind of looked through their Facebook uh, page just for a, a minute or two, and I really haven't seen any strong male leadership within this church. Any any males that have been there have been under the leadership of some sort of woman there in the church. And again, I think this is sinful. I think this is what causes a tremendous uh, disconnect from the Bible and the way the church functions and the way the church should respond to God's word and the way a church should be run. Uh, but we do see that the pastor of this particular church that we're going to discuss is a female. Now, some of you may have already seen this. Some of you may already know what we're going to be talking about. And, and, and if you have seen the thumbnail, you know exactly what we're going to be talking about if you have caught us on YouTube here. Um, but this female pastor has ordained a male who in this Facebook post is now dressed in drag and maybe be considered a transgender. I don't know, um, but it is very troubling. And he is sitting, and yes, I'm going to call him a he because he's a he. Um, he is sitting in front of kids in a worship service, in a church service, reading to them a book. And uh, I'm going to share my screen and show you how this postmodern truth has declined the church in many ways. So let me just uh, share this with you real quick. Here it is popped up on the screen if you're watching. And if you're listening by audio, you can uh, just trust what I'm telling you is the truth. Uh, but here we go. This is St. Luke's Lutheran Church of Logan Square. And it's uh, in or just outside of Chicago, Illinois. They have Chicago, Illinois here as their location marker set. But let me just click on these pictures and we'll bring these up and we'll look at them one by one. First of all, I'm going to describe this for you if you are just listening by audio. There is a man with a long blonde wig on, makeup, long eyelashes, wearing one of those choker necklaces. That, And if you're not familiar with the choker, choker necklace, it is one of those that is really close and, and just kind of tight up against the neck. Uh, it, it's a dress with a cross on it. Um, standing behind a pulpit, a pulpit where the word of God is to go forth, the true word of God be declared and proclaimed. And this is a transgender cross-dressing drag queen standing behind this pulpit 
and I'm not sure if he is delivering what he thinks is God's word or if he's just standing up, uh, giving a, a big hoorah to the LGBTQ community and agenda. Uh, but either way, uh, this is not God's design for the church because this post-truth thinking, uh, someone somewhere along the way has decided that it is okay for homosexuals and LGBTQ and transgender and 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 all of these things be included in the church of God. And we're going to see here in just a few minutes, we're going to look at a few passages we, we've talked about before on this episode or on this podcast that show just the opposite of that. But this first picture is this man dressed in drag standing behind the pulpit. And I want to point out the Christmas tree because that's going to come into play in a minute here when we think about the Advent. When many we're in Advent season and many churches are are doing Advent and, and things of the like. And we're going to talk about that because it matters in what this church has said on its Facebook page. Here, the second picture is this same man dressed in this same drag wearing high heels we can see now um, wearing a dress and some sort of funky gloves sitting here in front of these small children of which all of whom are wearing a mask and you can kind of see the liberal agenda here as well um, I don't think it's appropriate I don't think little children should be wearing masks not if you're wearing a mask that doesn't mean you're a liberal that doesn't mean that you're a democrat that doesn't mean that you uh, vote Democrat or all those things. But what I'm saying is you can see the liberal drift or the liberal lean here from just the man in the um, drag here reading a book to children who are all masked up within the church here. Um, reading this book, and if you see there on this tablet, uh, it looks like a tablet that he's holding. It says joy. So he's reading to them about joy. Now, if you are a believer like I am, you know that our joy is found in Christ alone. That is not apparently where this man is going to be finding his joy, and it is apparently not what he is teaching these kids here. Let's look at this final picture. If you're looking with us on YouTube or Facebook, you will see that uh, right here uh, on the left is, I believe, the pastor, quote-unquote pastor, and she is a woman. Uh, I believe that she is the pastor of St. Luke's Lutheran Church of Logan Square. And uh, to her left, our right, we see the man dressed in drag who is standing there, um, very feminine looking. Uh, and the choker I see now actually says blessed. Uh, that's the thing around his neck. And then to his left, our right, is another woman, another female that appears to be a leader within this church. And right here, this picture embodies everything that I'm talking about today. All of this post-truth, post-modern world that we live in is embodied in this picture. Female leadership that has ordained a male and allowed him to dress like this in the church. And that is something that should not be taking place in God's church. And I believe that every believer should be able to make a definitive statement and argument from the scriptures as to why this is not okay and uh, be able to back up their position from scripture. And, and, and I think that depending on what happens with this, there could be a lot of comments. Some of you watching may be may tell me that I'm wrong in my, my thinking and my approach. And that's okay. We can, we can talk about this biblically. But from a biblical perspective, as a as a as a institution functioning as a church, 
this is sinful. This is something that should not be taking place. This is absolutely sinful and needs to be repented of. Now, let me click out of this, and we're going to read the Facebook post here that this uh, person, this man, uh, apparently is the one that wrote this, um, and they put it on the screen here on their Facebook page for people to see. We're going to read this, and we're going to break it down kind of sentence by sentence and paragraph by paragraph. There's three paragraphs. I'm going to try to be brief here. I don't want to be long. I, want, I don't want to keep you longer than I need to here, but I think it's worth talking about as we see these things happening under the umbrella of Christianity. So let's look at this. Today, we consider what it might be like to have a dress rehearsal for the kind of joy awaiting us on the other side of Advent. It's been so hard to know what the joy will be because it's been so long since some of us have been joyful. It's been a difficult and tiring couple of years. So let's break this down. Today, we consider what it might be like to have a dress rehearsal for the kind of joy awaiting us on the other side of Advent. So when we think of Advent, we're looking at the second coming of Christ. We know that Jesus came once in the form of a Babel, baby, a Babel, a baby, uh, God with us, Emmanuel. We know that that baby, Jesus, was truly human, truly God, 100% of each. He grew to be the sinless, perfect sacrifice that we needed. And for those that repent of their sin and believe on his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension, and his coming back, we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus Christ and, and declare him to be the Lord of our life we will be saved and we become Christians looking forward to that second coming when he comes back and makes all things new. And that is where judgment will happen. That's when we will hear one of two things, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, for I never knew you. So let's break down what he is saying here. Consider what it might be like to have a dress rehearsal for the kind of joy awaiting us on the other side of Advent. they were He's saying that him dressing up as a woman and coming and reading to children brings him great joy, and it's a joy that they're going to experience on the other side of the second coming of Christ. What he is saying and doesn't realize yet that there is not going to be joy on that day, because if you live in open, unconfessed sin, and have no conviction, then you will die in unbelief to the true God of the Bible, to the true Jesus of the Bible. And when you stand in judgment, you will hear, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, for I never knew you. And you will be cast into hell for eternity. There will be no joy there. There will only be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But here in this postmodern world, this man and this leadership of this church apparently agrees with him to put his statement out on their Facebook page. They don't understand true joy. They need to be called to repentance and faith in Christ alone. The homosexual agenda, the LGBTQIA plus agenda has no place in the church. Do we love people that... Uh, are gay, that are homosexuals? Absolutely. Do we coddle them in their sin? No. Do we call them to repentance lovingly and gently? Absolutely we do that. But we don't put them on stage for all of the world to see, to read to children, and think that one day they will stand in eternity if they continue this lifestyle. Let's keep reading. It's been so hard to know what that joy will be, 
because it's been so long since some of us have been joyful. Well, when you're trying to declare yourself to be a Christian, yet you're living in open, unrepentant sin, there's going to be difficult times and there's not going to be any joy because only true and lasting joy comes from Christ alone in our salvation that is found in him. It doesn't come from dressing up as a woman. It doesn't come from including the LGBTQIA in the um, in the church. It doesn't come from sin at all. As a matter of fact, believers cannot have joy true joy when they're living in sin. There's no true peace. We do have that joy deep down inside of us that we know Christ and belong to him, but we can't have true physical happiness and joy living in sin. And this is what this is. Now, an unbeliever can appear to have joy when they're living in sin because they have no standard by which they live by. That is the word of God. But these people are claiming to live by a standard of the word of God, yet they are rebelling against it at every single turn. So there's not going to be any joy for someone like that. It's going against everything that God has designed. It's going against everything that God has designed for the church. So there can't be joy. Now, yes, people can be rude. People can be harsh. People can be mean. People can be angry with this and say hurtful things and do hurtful things when they see someone like this. I don't believe that that is the answer. I do believe gentleness and love, but a heavy dose of truth that this is sin and needs to be repented of. We can do this as believers gently. Now, they I'm sure people in this LGBTQIA plus movement have felt some sorrow, have felt a lot of hurt and have felt anger and frustration and sadness because people can be absolutely rude. They can be mean and, and very frustrating at times, but they're basing their joy off worldly things not of supernatural things. So yes, it's going to be a very hurtful time and there's not going to be much joy there. He says it's been difficult and tiring for a couple of years. It's been a difficult and tiring couple of years. Yes, when you're living this way, it will be difficult and tiring. Yes, being a Christian at times is difficult and tiring, but there's a difference in trying to live a God-honoring life and blatantly flaunting your sin in front of him as you try to live, quote unquote, for him. So there is not going to be much joy there. Second paragraph here. And I decided instead of telling you, this is how I want you to be joyful as we prepare for this dress rehearsal. I figured I would instead put on a dress as so many who have inspired me have done. I decided to follow their example, showing that liberation from oppressive laws clears a path for joy. Let me just show you here where this man has erred. I've already showed you there is definitely and we'll we'll continue. I'm going to continue to show you through the word of God. Uh, but let me show you this. This is how I want you to be joyful as we prepare for this dress rehearsal. I figured I would instead put on a dress as so many who have inspired me have done. I decided to follow their example. Well, the example that believers should be following is not that of other people around us. The believers should be following the example of Christ and even other believers. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we read, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But then he goes on to say this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. 
This is sexual immorality. This is impurity. This goes against God's word, and this should not be named among those who profess to be believers. And instead of getting their example and following the example of people that have put on a dress before him and flaunted this agenda before him, he should be, if he's a Christian, not be putting on a dress. He should be calling this pastor to repentance, and he should be following the example of Christ Jesus and being an imitator of God. Now, we can be an imitator of people as well because Paul says to imitate him as he imitates Christ. But this man is not imitating anyone who lives as Christ and follows his example. He is submitting himself and following the example of other people people, and he's decided to follow their examples by showing that liberation from oppressive laws clears a path for joy. When it comes to the Bible, when we find true liberation from oppressive laws, we realize that we cannot measure up to the law of God, and we find true liberation and freedom in Christ alone who frees us from the bondage and the weight of that law. He, did he come to abolish it? No, he came to fulfill it. He came so that we could still measure our lives against the word of God, the law of God, but we live under grace now. We find freedom in Christ alone, that we are not bound in shackles by these laws that we cannot keep as human beings. And we find rest, hope, peace, and love in Christ Jesus alone, not in uh, liberation and freedom of wearing a dress in the church, not by putting on makeup as a man and, and wearing eyelashes as a man and putting on a wig as a man. That is not where we find true freedom and liberation. It is only in Christ Jesus. And the path for joy is through him, not any of this agenda. Finally, this last paragraph says, but allowing yourself to feel joy can be scary. I wasn't sure how the outside world would handle me when they saw me this morning. Joy is difficult to feel. It's vulnerable, but it is but isn't it so beautiful? But allowing yourself to feel joy can be scary. It true joy in Christ is not scary. True joy in Christ should not be scary. There's nothing scary about true joy and freedom in Christ alone. When the outside world sees us as believers, even that can be oppressing. Even that can be um, a, a time for us to wonder what they think about us. But we shouldn't care because we are called to give God glory and enjoy Him forever. We are called to give God glory, to exalt Christ, to build one another up, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to encourage, to strengthen, to admonish one another. We should not care one bit what people think. But this man wondered what the outside world would think about him. Now, the outside might... Um, my microphone messed up a little bit there. The outside world might think differently of him, but we have to understand that the outside world may be unbelievers as well. The outside world may not agree with him or they might agree with him. It, it, it just doesn't matter. You never know when it comes to the outside world. So the outside world could or the outside world could not. And there could be that pushback that the world does do sometimes. Joy is difficult to feel. It's not in Christ. It's vulnerable. It's not in Christ. Uh, but isn't it so beautiful? Not when it's sin, not when it needs to be repented of. It is beautiful when it is in Christ alone and not of yourself.
the Bible teaches us also in Galatians chapter 5 and many other places. These are just some of the main places that I see. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all things like these. We see here again in a list of the flesh. We see things in the flesh. This is a work of the flesh, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the things that we've seen happen in this church are not of God. They are not of God, and they should not be treated as such. This is sin and needs to be repented of and needs to be called out. Again, if we were to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if this was a true believer in Christ, this man would then be the second half of this, starting in verse 11, and it would say, and such were some of you. This used to be who I was, but I no longer am a transgender, cross-dressing drag queen in the church. I used to be that, but now I stand in Christ, justified, sanctified, and totally changed from the inside out. Verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is who he could be. In Christ, but he's celebrating his sinfulness to a watching world instead of justification and sanctification by God Himself. So we see these things, and then we look at Romans chapter one. And I'm not going to get into Romans chapter one because there's so much that you can take away there. I'd love for you to read Romans chapter one, starting in uh, verse maybe verse 16, but especially starting in verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, who by their unrighteousness men suppress the truth. This man has essentially suppressed the truth of God, made that truth his own truth, and in turn is in sin and needs to be held accountable, and he needs to be called to repentance. But let's look at what his church has said. Uh, let me pull this back up so you can see what the church has said. Uh, hi, everyone. We've frozen. I'm going to look at, make it so you can see it right here. Hi, everyone. We've frozen comments on this post for the time being. Well, I wonder why that is, because I'm sure there were probably some hateful comments. There are probably some real believers trying to call them to repentance lovingly, and they didn't. They don't like the truth of God's word. Whatever the reason, they have frozen comments. Then they say, we appreciate all the love and encourage you to keep praying for full inclusion affirmation, and justice for LGBTQIA plus people in the church. This church is not calling them to repentance. This church is not calling them to holiness. This church is not calling them to this sanctification process. This church is doing nothing but coddling people in their sin. And you see it right there. 
They're just coddling people in their sin, freezing comments, so nobody can uh, point out biblical things to them. Uh, it is just one of those things that it is what it is, apparently, and they're going to feel the wrath of God one day. They're going to experience the wrath of God one day unless they repent. Keep praying for full inclusion, affirmation, and justice. We need to be praying, Christians, for the repentance of LGBTQIA plus people. Because if they find themselves in the church, I pray they find themselves in churches that preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that they don't leave without being convicted of sin and lovingly called to repentance and faith in Christ alone. We should not be praying for their inclusion or working for their inclusion. We should pray for their repentance. So I want to encourage you. You may run across posts and YouTube videos and things of the like concerning this church and concerning the things that you've seen. I've seen several people doing it. They've uh, talked about it. But we must not forget to pray for them. Don't be rude. Don't be mean. But pray hard that God would change this man's life, that God would call these people to repentance and faith, that this church would shut down if it is not a biblical church, and that these people would at some point come to repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. But ultimately, what I want to say is all of this is a result of men not digging in their heels on the doctrines of God, the proper theology that we find in the Bible, and passionately teaching and pursuing biblical doctrine and theology. Once we capitulate, we will find the church in sin, and we will find more and more churches just like what we've talked about here today. So I want to encourage you men, lead in the churches, lead your homes, lead your families, lead them well. You are called to do this. I am called to do this not to give in and let the women do all the work, not to let women do things in the church, not to let them lead. We love women. There is a beautiful place in the church for women, and women have a great role in the church, but it is not to be in key leadership roles within the church, not to be pastors, not to be elders. So I think that we have to have more people stand on biblical truth and teach that biblical truth. So I encourage you to pray for these people that we've talked about today. Pray for the people that you may know that is in this, this community of people, the LGBTQIA+. Pray for their repentance. Pray for this church's repentance. And dig your heels into true doctrine and biblical theology and never be ashamed of true biblical doctrine and theology. Plow ahead, dear brothers and sisters. Plow ahead. I want to wish you all again a Merry Christmas. I'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts, even if you have snarky rebukes, as Todd Friel says. I'd love to hear those. Leave them in the comments, whether on YouTube or Facebook. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe. It always helps out. I don't ask for money, never will. And uh, just a little subscribe button would be awesome, if you don't mind. It would be a great Christmas present, late or early, whatever you choose. But either way, if you don't, still love you. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Merry Christmas and God bless.